106.5 WFMP. This is Community Control Now, the show where we advocate for the democratic community control of public institutions. I'm your co-host, Vincent Gonzalez, here with my main man, 50 Grand, Michael T. Say what's up to the people. What's up, people? We at Community Control Now seek to end the rampant abuses by the hands of the state that criminalizes mostly persons of color. We at Community Control Now advocate for all power to all oppressed people all over the world and mainly advocate for the democratic central control of the police by the hands of the people. All right, so this is our first show outside of our pilots. Thank you for everyone who's been listening. Um, Brother T, man, how you feeling about uh, the direction this show is going? I'm very pleased, and I hope people are enjoying the podcast so far, at least the four pilot podcasts we did. And we look forward to bringing you more information on this critical topic um, every week. Yeah, right on. And all during the week. Gotten some wonderful feedback. Uh, shout out to the comrades with the Party for Socialism and Liberation who've uh, given their kind feedback on the show. Hope to have some of those guys on there. Um, you've gotten lovely feedback as well for um, all the great uh, 106.5 WFMP listeners. Well, so far, to be honest... My brother, uh, most of the feedback has come from you. Oh, man, uh, I, I keep my ears to the streets, <laughs> man. You got you to gotta know these things sometimes. And the sometimes. people who've given you feedback. Uh, yeah. But I'm, I'm sure it's out there. But, you know, so far I have not no. heard uh, any feedback. Labor of love, man. I think it's cool that, you know, people dig it um, and keep the good times rolling here. Yes, and uh, I really, I think, man, for our first episode, uh, we we talk a lot about you know, what it means to be in a democratically controlled uh, police uh, setup. Uh, we, you know, our last episode, we laid out the components as put forth by the Chicago Alliance, Frank Chapman and his team. But we wrestle with this. We've maybe talked about it in previous episodes, uh, touched on it lightly, but I, we want to kind of put some change in the meter on this one. When we talk about public safety, what does that truly mean? Mm. What does it mean to feel safe in your environment, in your neighborhood? Because I, I think we realize that one of the first stumbling blocks that we have, we, you know, talking to folk, you chit-chat with people at the laundromat, and, you know, I, I'm always, I never met a stranger in my life. I'm always finding, you know, uh, people who, converse about different things because this topic of public safety is uh, it, it weighs on uh, folk around the way. So one of the number one things that when we start talking about abolition of police states and a democratic control of those institutions, the thing that gives a lot of people pause is what about public safety? There are elements in our community that mean us harm you know, and when you ask or when you seek to get rid of, in a lot of people's minds, the frontline defense against those elements, you're uh, not addressing people's safety 
in 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 the person's minds who who makes these arguments. Um, so, if we call ourselves um, principled in our stance, we have to talk about these things. What does it mean to feel safe? What does a world look like without um, the police state as we know it? So, man, I hope today in this uh, we'll do a two-parter here. Uh, the first 30 minutes, let's let's really kind of uh, wrestle with that. What does it mean to be safe in a neighborhood? Mm-hmm. And then hopefully we can offer up uh, some uh, dialogue, some solutions to what the police state, as we know it, what does it look like to not live in that world? Mm-hmm. So first things first, uh, According to how you see things, what does it mean to feel safe? Well, there are many ways to look at that, but I think two fundamental ways of looking at uh, public safety uh, has to do with uh, the right to live in an environment free from threats, intimidation, harassment, and violence. We could probably add some other things, but uh, I think that's one way to define it. And uh, perhaps the other way we could define that concept as we all have a social responsibility to maintain public safety. So it's it's the work of the collective yeah. to uphold these ideals um, you know, a little bit of to use the words of uh, uh, President and also prolific slaveholder Thomas Jefferson, uh, you know, the inevitable truths, life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Yeah. And uh, and I like that approach, um, Vincent, because uh, I remember years ago in a protest or demonstration I was in, uh, an older lady Um, told me, she said, part of citizenship, is the way she framed it, uh, consists of your rights and your duties as a citizen. And we have to keep that in mind, that both of those sides of that equation have to be fulfilled. So people don't look at it like, oh, this is something that the other person owes me. But we mutually owe it to each other. It's like a contract. Yeah. We start with the premise that we have the right to live in a safe environment, not be threatened with any of these things, and that and that the, the people in that environment all understand that, mm-hmm. that we all have to maintain that. When that is being threatened, if that environment is changing in any kind of way, intentions yeah. are developing to the point of antagonisms, or somebody's about to shoot someone or stab someone or cut you with a razor, as yeah. they used to do back in the day, or even just threaten you, uh, threaten your family, and uh, you know, failed like threats, thought, open thought threats. crimes. You know, they, yeah. they taking away that person's yeah. ability to be safe in their mind. Yeah, and and, even though they're not physically being harmed yeah. there's other harms being done so like I think that's a good point and that we, should be a right yeah just like food clothing and shelter absolutely you know, it's a different kind of concept you know when you talk about food clothing and shelter you're talking about 
you know, hardcore material things, but a case can be made that safety, whereas you can't touch it, yeah, it's real, like air, mm-hmm. you know, and we Absolutely. all have the responsibility of maintaining that environment. And it's yeah. hard at certain times because some conflicts, because we're humans, different th- thoughts and practices uh, and conflicts will develop. But if we all, you know, approach the situation like, okay, I'm not just floating through life yeah. oblivious to everything. Mm-hmm. If I'm in an environment, even if I don't know you, and I sense the safety aspect is deteriorating here, and this get, getting ready to be some kind of violence or mm-hmm. some kind of tension that's going to get out of control, even if I don't even know the people, I have to look at it like I have a yeah. duty and it's difficult sometimes. No, this is this is to not intervene uh, or to diffuse this. Stuff we're talking about here, and when, and I don't think I, I I would like to differentiate that from you know being a cowboy. I'm not saying go out here and be reckless, mm-hmm. but I believe there, there's a degree of thoughtfulness. I, I've been out in the streets. Most of these things can be resolved through verbal de-escalation and just honestly. Um, Letting people know that you care. Uh, mm-hmm. I know that sounds kind of hokey, but uh, I've seen it with my own eyes. Yeah. And you're a therapist. Yeah. So perhaps one way, you know, we talked about this before we came in this afternoon. Uh, we'll talk about it more in future yeah, uh, podcasts. That might have to be one strategy absolutely, for diffusing these things. Mm-hmm. That everybody, and again, some folks will resist, but part of your duty as citizens and, and your citizenship is learning, among other things, yeah. how to diffuse potential conflicts. Yeah, and I, I do want to... that seriously. Absolutely. No, I think that um, these are things that if we want to move forward, we're going to have to really wrestle with and give some credence to. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, we touched on... Why, but I feel like it's going to set up our premise here. Why do we see that in certain neighborhoods are less safe than others? And we're talking in all the forms, uh, domestic, interpersonal violence, community violence. Um, You know, if we talk about if we even wanted to elongate the definition, including, you know, threats and verbal assaults. Shoot, I mean, the argument could be made, the disruption at noise and air pollution. Oh, but yes. we know that we see yes. in predominant communities of color, there's, there's the, those safeties that we are all afforded that the, the founders of this country called inalienable rights are not afforded to uh, the bulk of our citizenry of color. So we can play with the, the ideology of that. Why, why is that the case that we find ourselves in? Well, I mean, that's a good point. Is said that, that uh, the uh, we have been denied rights, you know, and that's mm-hmm. been part of the ongoing human struggle. Certain people are denied human rights, or yeah. their human rights are not recognized. You mentioned Thomas Jefferson earlier, and he talked about, you know, the slave owner. You know, we have inalienable people, yeah. rights. That it, means you can't separate. You can't take those things it, away from us. What do you What do you do with that contradiction? The people who wrote these documents talking about all men are created equal, own human beings. Yeah. For yeah. 
some sort of economic gain. I think we have to be honest in our analysis that, that this was a, a capitalist endeavor. Yeah. It was profitable yeah. to do these things. And that's how they justify it, by yeah. saying that because we were subhumans, mm-hmm. we weren't entitled to the same rights that they he had. He wasn't talking about us. Right. Yeah. And uh, they didn't have to recognize our human rights. But we had duties, though. Yeah. You know, they expected us to. Yeah, get that work done. <laughs> have duties. You're not a human being, but, you, you know. know. We're not going to recognize your rights. But getting back to your other question about how did we get into this situation of uh, uh, of a lack of social safety? Yeah. Um, one way we can approach that is. Uh, well, you have you. I want to hear what you have to say on this, and I think we we may have a similar thought. We we do that from time to time. Yes, but I, yes, I do yes, want to. Yeah, let me hear what you have to yes, say on yes. what. Yeah, your best guess on why. And you know, and as you know, many of the listeners know that. When we talk about the lack of social safety, mm-hmm. uh, even though that's a, 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 a global phenomenon mm-hmm. among uh, you know, an issue that can occur in all classes, all peoples, but you know, we know that too many predominantly poor and black and um, brown, urban and suburban, yes, and um, Communities in the U.S. are plagued, you know, with open, often violent social antagonisms. Now, arguably, the primary driving force of forces of all of this is uh, the inability of vast numbers of people to obtain the resources they need and want, uh, and the real and imagined desperation. Mm. That this inability generates. Yeah. What does this do to your mind when your straits are so dire? Yeah. And you, the material conditions are of a certain way that you you, you can't even put coherent thoughts together to thrive and survive in an environment. Yeah, and I included imagine because often you're not that desperate that you got to go out and rob somebody, kill somebody, but there are people who are so close to that. Absolutely. And, you know, just the thought of it that. It feels that way. You know, at any moment I could be thrown out of my place or I mm-hmm. could have no money as opposed to people who know that probably was not yeah. likely to happen. It, and, and perhaps a that's, a capitalistic, that's a capitalistic... <laughs> Uh, sort of frame of mind where you know I will dominate all persons. You know, unfortunately, when I've known of these incidents, many times it's a targeting a vulnerable population. You know, so you know these things, and and but they've caused rifts in communities. And when you talk to people in these communities who are most vulnerable, the number one thing that they say, crime. Mm-hmm. These people are in this community, and I do not feel safe. Yeah. My fellow citizen has taken that uh, feeling of being liberated from the threat of harm and actual harms. Yeah. And what do we do with that? Uh, before you answer that, I must remind our listeners, you're listening to Community Control Now, 106.5 WFMP. I'm your co-host, Vincent Gonzalez, Michael T. We're over here we're laying some tracks down on public safety and some of the solutions to 
public safety that is outside of this police carceral state that we find ourselves mm -hmm. in. Yes. And, you know, you said something earlier about, uh, you know, the number one problem is crime in our, our neighborhoods. And like everything, it's fraught with contradictions. You know, I heard Jesse Jackson say, for instance, not that long ago, a lot of black people got mad with him for saying it, but a lot of what he said was true, unfortunately. He said, you know, there was a time if I walked down the street and I saw a bunch of white folks, I'd be afraid. And he says, uh, but at some point, it, uh, you know, his life went on, <laughs> you know, post Jim Crow, because of the proliferation of crime in a lot of our neighborhoods, that when he sees a bunch of black folks, yeah. especially young folks, he's afraid. And when it. he sees the white people, he's, not he, afraid. he's, not, he's like, you yeah. know, I don't think they'll probably do They're anything. Probably and not it used to be that. just the opposite. Yeah, yeah. But it's easy. Now, some conservatives and white supremacists will look at that and say, well, that proves the case. But mm -hmm. that's a, a, a sophist argument Absolutely. because it doesn't explain mm -hmm. what happened back then. Mm-hmm. And what's happening now and why yeah. it changed. And, uh, you know, and on that question, when we're talking about the inability of people in poor neighborhoods, and black and brown people tend to be, we're not the only ones, but mm -hmm. you know, some of the poorest people, uh, that inability um, has um, been juxtaposed to the wide availability of legal and illegal drugs, prescription and street drugs. Yeah. That's one of the <laughs> main ills that we are, yeah. are faced with as a community. Most of this community violence is some sort of uh, trying to aid in a bed, a contractual agreement of some sort, you know, just street talking on, you know, these... Uh, sort of uh, enterprises and how they intermix in violent ways. And we've know of incidents where innocent bystanders were harmed. Um, I do want to talk on a little bit. Uh, we, we talked about it the other day. And I, I, I just, just in humble regard to uh, those persons, I'm kind of like I'm envisioning uh an elderly person in the West End of Louisville and how they perceive safety. We talked about the 94 crime bill, mm -hmm. the thing that really uh, mass incarceration th through the war on drugs mm -hmm. was um, coming about, you know, Ann Singer uh, from that Billie Holiday movie who, mm -hmm. you know, they, the, the war on drugs was had, had been in full gear, mm -hmm. but that 94 crime bill um sort of uh, really solidified and led to the propagation of mass incarceration in primarily uh, places of um, color. So, you know, this is one point. This is when the 2016 election, when uh, Hillary uh, was trying to explain herself because a lot of activists called her out on it. I remember there was a sister during a private event, came in and called her out. You call the super predators, mm -hmm. you know, this concept that uh, there were young black males walking the streets of urban areas who were devoid of any sort of conscience. 
super predators. So her response to that was the black community told us that that's what they wanted. Yeah. So we need to talk on and, and perhaps, you know, work around what that truly uh, means. Did we did we know what we were signing ourselves up for? Well, I think Vincent, the key thing is that we haven't seen any alternatives yes. to solving those problems. See, a lot of those problems are public health problems. Mm-hmm. But because of the type of system we live in, they push almost everything into the criminal justice it's system. A, and, and, and with a high, a high uh, corporal um, sort of uh, technical difficulties here. Yeah. Uh, and many of these yeah. problems should be delegated to therapists. Yeah. To hospitals, to yeah. psychologists. But the answer in this system to social um, antagonisms and public conflicts is to lock people up. That's why we have the yeah. carceral society. And that shows how the new the way Jim I see Crow. It, it's and you know, and it's been in existence for a long time. You know, mm-hmm. it was the old and there's the new. But there's a case to be made that that's a primitive way to approach yeah. that subject. And one of the reasons they do that is because as the society is not that advanced. No. They use that to suppress the people that they know will rise up because of the inequities and the inequalities. It's That's any, what they're mostly any, any concerned form, with. Any form of, uh, to speak on it from a uh, psychological stance, any form of corporal punishment is what we would call extinction of behavior. Mm-hmm. Is maybe stops the behavior. And maybe there was a small window of time mm-hmm. where, okay, we clean the streets up as, you know, if you've lived mm-hmm. in these urban spaces, mm-hmm. you always get some police commissioner or somebody talking about, yeah. you know, cleaning up the streets. But there were latent consequences. Yeah, because that's that not came solving. With this. It didn't solving. There was no pedagogy. Yeah, there was into, no solving mental illness. We know a lot no. of people have mental illness. Mm-hmm. We know there's a lot of people addicted to hard drugs. Yeah. There are people addicted to prescription drugs. That's why I threw that in because mm-hmm. when I was living in Ohio some years ago, I found out, you know, working at office buildings mm-hmm. that there was trafficking of prescription drugs going on. Yeah, yeah, that's, all that's, day that's long. highly more prolific than yeah. what we call you know the illicit drug market. Yeah, they got it from the doctor. The doctors yeah. were complicit. They're the big, and like people the are abusing pushers. those yeah. drugs and mm-hmm. selling those drug drugs at the it's, doctors. And the whole story's got to be told because it's not mm-hmm. just people in the street in the hood no, 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 doing it. I mean, that's yeah. another thing. But there's a big trafficking yeah. and abuse of prescription and, and drugs. to be kind to ourselves, we're not even talking about white-collar crime. Really, you know, we, really. you know, what I'm saying, and, and many uh, analysis that say that that causes a far greater impact on the material conditions. Yeah. You know, so you know, we we'll stick with what we're talking about upfront, public safety, yeah, um, and why that is the case that we struggle with that, and and those alternatives. I like how you said. Sometimes the communities most affected find themselves in an act of desperation, yes. holding on to, you know, <clears throat> ideas that maybe we know that it's almost like you know we'll vote him in and he'll 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 move to the left. Yeah, these are these are strategies of desperation. Exactly, that, and as desperate, yeah. Vincent, as the, the the contradictions 
that arrive in the communities who are the most victimized. Okay, when you have economic inequalities, I mean, I heard it said, okay, that, and this is a good discussion. We'll continue yeah. that the 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 three most lucrative jobs the average young person can get is working in fast food mm-hmm. going into the armed forces yeah. or selling drugs yeah for- so when you live in an environment where you're Major options are so few. Yeah, wage slavery, imperialism, a low income wage yeah. slavery, or <laughs> the know, underworld. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, and that. So and that it also explains why a lot of the family members, when they resort to selling drugs, they don't turn them in because yeah. they know, much as they hate that behavior. Hey, you know, we got to have some money to get these yeah. resources, these vital resources. So I know you're doing this, but I uh-huh. don't like I it. I understand, but don't condone. But, yeah, but yeah. you got $20? Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it's hard. Up, yeah. Material conditions have placed people in, you know, such dire straits, as yeah. I said earlier, that we find these hard, uh, you know, sort of uh, decisions to make. So I feel like rounding the bin here, we got four more minutes. Until uh, we close this uh, half hour show out, yeah, we can yeah. So, it, yeah, know. we'll 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 do a part two here. We're mm-hmm. we're riffing a little bit, so, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So, how do we? What's the next step here? We see that the current state that we find ourselves in is is rough with contradictions, mm-hmm. and that the police can't solve. They cannot that's solve. The critical I think part. that's where we're at here. Okay, I think we we were <laughs> we were circling around that drain, it's but it's, they can't. They, this is deeper. We're talking. Yeah. We 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 spent most of our time talking about the psychology of it all. Yeah. What can a gun and a badge solve with matters of the heart or matters of the mind? Exactly. And that's where we find ourselves when we're limited with our options. Many people find themselves um, relying on inefficient solutions. So yeah. we, on this show, advocate for community control of these things. We, we, we talk about it at length, how um, those in the powers that be have abdicated their social responsibility mm. and have refused to wrestle with these contradictions. So, you know... I think we can come in with a second half here, but I'd like mm-hmm. for you to just, you know, close out. Um, how does what we advocate for address these issues of public safety? Well, as we go into the part two of this podcast, uh, we'll talk about some of those things. Uh, we're still trying to lay out the current conditions, but I just wanted to say to close this out, uh, not that I necessarily like Hillary Clinton, but one thing she did say is that it takes a village. Yeah. And just approaching it from that way, as opposed to it takes a policeman, mm-hmm. it takes a village Absolutely. of everybody, a multidisciplinary, yeah. multifaceted approach, mm-hmm. economic, psychological, therapeutic. Yep. And the society's got to approach it like yeah. that. There may be a public safety officer of some sort yeah. that is going to... Uh, have a role, but we know uh, true indeed through this history, yeah, we find ourselves in, this behavior. ain't it. Yeah, this this ain't current it. system, <laughs> this ain't nowhere near effective as far as anything. You know, they beef up the police budget 
and we still find ourselves we are we are at a, we are reaching historic highs in the city of Louisville uh, mm. for murder and you know you would think those things would would have some sort of correlation amongst each other but they don't mm. so in part 2 um I feel like it's our responsibility to lay out what that looks like mm-hmm. you know to to look beyond a world uh, that does not use this carceral and police state mm-hmm. uh, to carry out its whims, many of those whims being uh, rough with white supremacy. Mm-hmm. So um, we'll check back in. Part two. Yes. All power to all the people. Let's go.